The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Your Ben Jarofsky Show for Thursday, September 17th is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank the following unions for sponsoring this podcast. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150 are sponsors, as well as the Chicago Federation of Labor. They are our dear friends still, by the way. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Rediscover our fascinating city this summer on a walking tour from the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Our entertaining and expertly trained docents will guide you through the Chicago you've been longing to explore, from magnificent downtown architecture to awe-inspiring neighborhood gems. If it's worth seeing, we'll take you there. Get tickets at architecture.org forward slash tours. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. Let me tell you about voting by mail. It's pretty cool. Voting by mail ensures equitable access for everyone. Normally, vote by mail applications are filled out online or in person. This creates a burden for people with limited access to transportation or internet services. Disproportionately, the elderly or people of color who are among those at greatest risk from COVID-19. Because of the pandemic, a law was passed in Illinois for November requiring vote by mail applications be sent to anyone who voted in 2018, 2019, or the 2020 primary. This falls short of what is needed particularly since these elections saw low turnout. We need to expand access. Mail-in voting is the best way to ensure everyone's voice can be heard safely. We can help expand voting access in Chicagoland by asking officials to send every eligible voter a vote-by-mail application. So visit VoteMailChicago.com. That's VoteMailChicago.com for call scripts and a petition. One more time. Vote. V-O-T-E. Mail. M-A-I-L. Chicago. C-H-I-C-A-G-O. Dot com to make sure that every voter in Cook County has safe and equitable polling. That's correct. All right, Ben. Your song of the day request does come from Frank, and it's For Once in My Lifetime by Stevie Wonder. Oh, for once in my life, I won't let sorrow hurt me, not like it's hurt me before. Come on, Frank, everybody, for one second. And I'm going to play harmonica. Oh. <laughs> 
that's, that's one of my favorite songs of all time. I mean, we're uh, Stevie Wonder. We, we should do a whole show dedicated to Stevie Wonder. My sure. love for Stevie Wonder. And I battled. Remember how to defend Stevie Wonder? Oh, for yeah. a certain alderman of the 35th Ward? Right? Remember that day? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Carlos God. Rosa. Hey, let's hear that uh, harmonica again. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Quick show of hands. Who thinks that sounds like a, a sick dog? I would say we should play the Stevie Wonder thing, but as much as I love him, I'd probably hear from his attorney. Uh, sorry, sir. The Venderowski show starts now. It is Thursday, September 17th, and live from my apartment and his attic, this <laughs> is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Yeah. Today on the program, it's the long-awaited return of Candace Castillo. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Trump Cult Thursday, and here's why. I'm going to talk about the Trump cult today, but first, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to be calm. I'm going to be dispassionate. Because you know something? I listened to yesterday's show, and well, I was very disappointed. I realized I got so riled up that I was pounding the table. Quite a bit. And I'm thinking, Dennis, that's just not a convincing way to win people over. And, you know, this is very important that I win people over as we head into this election season. Because I truly want Donald Trump to be defeated. So I have to convince people to vote for Joe Biden. And I realize that banging the table is not maybe the best way to do it. So, Dean... Yes. I'm making a pledge. I'm going to be more mellow. I'm going to be more NPR-like. You know, I'm going to be cool and calm and not all fiery and passionate, but erotic. I'm going to be ironic. Ironic, T. That's the way to go. Okay? Okay. How much pot did you smoke last night? (laughs) So let me address the issue of the Trump cultists. It's now clear to me that anywhere between 35 to 45% of the American electorate has turned themselves over to a cult D. We're talking stuff that's almost of Jonestown proportions. Donnie Trump could do anything, say anything, tweet anything, and they won't budge. They're still voting for him. Sorry, D. Passion. It was too passionate. A case in point, a young man I'll call Scott, a voter in Appleton, Wisconsin. Hey, Scott. What's going on? Sure, he's got a lot of listeners in in Appleton, Wisconsin. Scott is probably one of them. Actually, when you hear this story, I don't think he is one of them. (laughs) Anyway, I just read an Associated Press story about Scott. Turns out he loves Trump. He voted for him in 2016 and is determined to vote for him again. He wasn't even deterred by Trump botching the virus 
As a matter of fact, he was what the AP reporter called a quote unquote virus skeptic. He didn't think it was for real, D. He thought it was a hoax, just like Trump said. And then guess what? Ooh. Hey! Oh man! I didn't mean to do that, man. I got carried away. Just like that, he caught the virus. It hit him like a freaking freight train. To quote Bob Dylan, "Freight train moving in the night." What's that line? In the night. <laughs> in the night. <laughs> it hit him like a freight train. The oh, simple twist of fate. That's what it is. Anyway, here's what the AP story says, and I quote, The disease seeped into the paper mill where Scott worked, and he was stricken, suddenly losing his appetite. He lay in bed, feverish, drenched in sweat. His body seemed at war with itself, end of quote. For 16 days, he was at home. You figured, that's it. Anybody gets the virus for 16 days, anybody who's drenched in a fever or sweat, anybody whose body is at war with himself would probably say, you know, Donnie, you done me wrong. I trusted you. I believed in you. When the world said the virus was real, I believed you when it was said it was a fake. And look what I got for it. 16 days at home, sweating like a horse. That's it. I'm through with you, Donald Trump. You think he would say that, D. But no, turns out Scotty loves Donnie Trump more than ever. And I quote, the stock market's climbing the 401ks, the economies. He got jobs. He's just accumulated a lot of jobs being a businessman. Trump. Oh, my God. Trying to stay calm. Scotty, you don't realize pretty much every business Donald Trump has touched has gone bankrupt. No collusion. Sorry, man. The AP story points out. That in fact, by almost any measure, Donald Trump's promise of an economic revival in places like Appleton, Wisconsin, have gone unfulfilled. In fact, Appleton area has lost about 8,000 jobs since Donnie Trump got elected. Doesn't matter to Scotty. Scotty still loves his Donnie. The party's filled with people like that, D. My goodness, Herman Cain basically sacrificed his life for Donald Trump's campaign. He went to that rally in Tulsa. He didn't wear a mask. He caught the virus. Unlike Scotty up in Appleton, he wasn't so lucky. But to the end, Herman Cain was sticking by Donald Trump. He gave his freaking life to Donald Trump's campaign. I will not bang the table, D, although I really wanted to bang the table. It reminds me of the scene in Godfather 2. You see that movie, D, Godfather 2? Not one, two. Right. Yes, yes, I have. Okay, very good. Then you'll know this scene. Michael Corleone's in Cuba. This is before Castro takes over. But Castro's rebels are battling Batista. And Michael witnesses a rebel blowing himself up for the Castro cause. Killed himself for the Castro cause. And Michael says, and I quote, I'd give four million just to be able to take a piss without it hurting. Sorry, that's not Michael. That's Hyman Roth. I just love Hyman Roth. I had to quote him. Here's what Michael said, D. I, do I have a Michael Corleone imitation? I don't think so. Well, let's find out. Let's do it. Let's hear it. Oh, God, I it. I've seen this movie so many times. Can I conjure up Al Pacino? I saw a strange thing today. Some rebels were being arrested. One of them pulled the pin on a grenade. 
He took himself and the captain of the command with him. No soldiers are paid to fight. The rebels aren't. At which point Hyman Roth says, what does that tell you? That tells you they could win. And that's how it is, ladies and gentlemen. It's hard to beat a man who inspires such dedication and devotion. At this point, D, I'm going to do something I very rarely do. I'm going to give young Donald John Trump credit. He tapped into something I don't even think he understands. A guy like Scotty up in Wisconsin is crediting Trump for an economic revival that hasn't even occurred. He's crediting Trump for a stock market surge that really has nothing to do with Donnie Trump. Stock markets go up and down. And in fact, it's just as easy to go down at any moment. Like the markets crashed in 87, in 01, in 08. Yesterday, the polls showed Joe Biden doing very well up in most of the swing states, even in Wisconsin, neck and neck in Texas of all places. But I'm like Michael Corleone. When you got people willing to give up their life for a cause, that's not going to be so easy to beat. Oh, D, I was so close to banging the table. Don't do it. Oh, (laughs) he banged the table. We got a great show today, everybody. Candace Castillo, political activist, strategist, genius of the first First magnitude will be here. Big time Elizabeth Warren supporter. Should be talking about the polls. Should be talking about our attitude about Joe Biden. Is Joe Biden taking voters, Democrat voters, for granted as he goes for Republicans? Is he, in particular, taking black voters for granted? We'll ask Candace Castillo about that and much, much more. Plenty of political talk ahead. But before we do that, the young man from Auburn. The man that Candace fondly calls Dr. Doobie with the news. Hey guys, what's going on? Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Today, Illinois governor JB Pritzker is not a very busy boy. No public events listed, Benny J. Uh, so after he's done listening to today's Ben Jarofsky show and combing through our extensive catalog of content, <laughs> which you can download at both Chicago sun times and Chicago reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Uh, ben, here's a question after he's done listening to our show and combing through the archive with his time off. Will JB Pritzker be watching the NBA playoffs tonight? And if so, <laughs> Which team is he rooting for? Well, tonight's game, uh, I believe it's game two, Miami versus Boston. I believe that's tonight. Uh, And I believe JB uh, is a big Miami fan. As you recall, I I believe they have a horse farm. A horse farm in Florida. You're right. His family did buy a horse farm in Florida right after JB won the election. In fact, let me just say this about that. The other day when uh, Bam... Now, from well, uh, let's explain who Bam is. The um, the center for the Miami Heat, uh, who he made a play in the game the other day where he blocked a shot. Who took the shot? D Tatum. Uh, Jason. Jason Tatum took the shot. Uh, Jason Tatum for the Boston Celtics was going in for a dunk. It looked like uh, he, he was just all alone. There was no one near him. He had beat Jimmy Butler. And out of nowhere, bam, bam, out of bio, comes out of nowhere. The center from Miami, bam, get that weak beam out of here. J.B. Pritzker was watching that game. He jumped up out of his chair. Ah. Goes, yeah. Bam, bam. Ah, bam, bam. 
<laughs> so he's rooting uh, for the Miami Heat. Uh, as am I, D. I'm a big uh, Jimmy Butler fan, which the Bulls have never let him go. So I'm rooting for Miami as well. All right. You heard it here first on the Ben Jarofsky show. JB Pritzker is rooting for the Miami Heat. Hang tight, non-sports fans. <laughs> It's going to be a lot of football talk coming up, non-sports fans, and some gambling talk, uh, as I understand it. Go ahead, D. So the magic the magic number, that, that is a tease, and damn, you're good at it, sir. Uh, so the magic number is 47. 47 days until the presidential election. Come on, man. <laughs> and 47 days until the Illinois general elections. And sure, election night will be exciting. But let's face it, just like everything else in life at the moment, COVID-19 is coming to crash the party. Oh, yeah. Governor Pritzker is hoping to nip this small problem at the bud. The following comes from WBEZ.org and Tony Arnold. Big problems become big problems when you let small problems sit. Governor J.B. Pritzker is urging the State Board of Elections to use federal aid to help local election authorities prepare for this year's unusual election. He suggested the board use $4 million in Help America Vote Act money to support local election boards, recruitment of poll workers, and the installation of drop boxes for voters who don't want to drop their ballot in the mail. Uh, Looks like we have some quotes here from J.B. Pritzker. J.B. Pritzker said, quote, this election cycle where the presidential contest may not be decided on election night, while vote by mail ballots are tabulated, will test the limits of our democracy and the faith of our people in it. He continued saying these unprecedented times require unprecedented involvement involvement in action by the state board of election. More than 1.5 million Illinois voters have already requested a vote by mail ballot. If a similar if a similar number of residents cast ballots in 2020's election as 2016's presidential race, that would track with being 27 percent of all votes cast. Well, he's doing the right thing as the governor of the state, and he's doing the right thing as a Democrat. Two separate issues here, D. Uh, But let's not forget he's a Democrat, and he wants Joe Biden to win. He wants Donnie Trump to lose, and he wants people to turn out. Now, also, as the leader of the state, he has an obligation uh, to stand behind voting. So people like he doesn't want people panicking and thinking they can't vote. So he has a gubernatorial responsibility as well. But let's not forget that J.B. Pritzker is a Democrat and he wants Joe Biden to win. And he wants people he wants people to be uh, have confidence in their system. A lot of people are shaky right now. D. I have a lot of conversations with people of the baby boomer persuasion who are very nervous. Oh, my God. Uh, baby boomers are just losing their freaking mind, D. They're just losing their minds, okay? And they all call me up. Like, and sometimes they call me up and they're accusatory, and sometimes they call me up and they're looking for assurance. For instance, <laughs> when they're accusatory, they'll have just read an article in the paper that says, they don't even need to say that Trump's doing well. It's just Trump asserts some bold confident thing like i'm gonna get more black votes than i ever got before so i'll get a call from some freaked out baby boomer accusing me like i did something wrong i thought you said that biden was gonna win i just saw this thing about trump getting black votes 
They accused me like I did something wrong. That when there was a story that came out of Florida, Latino voters, uh, it seemed like it was a poll that showed that there was some support for Trump. I presumed it was mostly the Cuban American vote down there. I mean, duh. But all of a sudden I get a call from people. I thought you said the Puerto Ricans were going to vote for Biden. I just read this story in the paper. Baby boomers are so anxious and so nervous. And a lot of them, D, the ones who are really into politics, this is something I cannot say enough. They don't follow sports. They definitely don't follow wrestling. And they don't realize that Donald Trump is one of the great wrestling trash talkers of all time, that he's emulating the great wrestlers of all time. He's emulating boxers talking trash. So like a lot of these, you know, baby boomer Democrats, they never heard trash talking. So they think if Donald Trump says something, it's true. Donald Trump says he's getting black votes. It must be true. Donald Trump says he's getting Latino votes. It must be true. And then they accuse me. The other ones are the ones who are so anxious. Oh my God, we're going to lose. Oh my God, it's like 2016 again. Oh my God, I'm going to move to Canada. Oh my God, I'm going to move to New Zealand. Oh my God, oh my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Benny, tell me something good. Tell me something good. Anyway, that's maybe breaking the Chaka Khan. But, you know, so it's one or the other with baby boomers. And then they get really nervous. And this gets back to the point. They get really nervous about the validity of the election. Can Trump steal it? They read the stories about the post office being sabotaged. And they believe that he's just going to steal the election uh, by throwing away their votes once they mail them in. So there's a lot of fear and anxiety among uh, voters of the baby boomer persuasion. And that would be J.B. Pritzker's generation, D. I got a feeling not literally the same people, but the same type of people are also, you know, part of his. Well, I don't hang around with gazillionaires, so. But he's aware of the anxiety of baby boomer Dems. So he's acting as the governor, and he's also acting as a Democrat, trying to assure people, reassure people that their votes will count, their votes will be counted, they should trust the system, and he's going to make sure uh, that the system can be trusted. That said, I urge the Democratic Party to make sure you have a lawyer in every freaking precinct in the state of Illinois. You better have some lawyers out there, D. Time operation lawyer. Get some lawyers out there. So that's J.B. Pritzker. Good for you, young man. All right. Well, since about March, our host Ben Jarofsky has been pinned up in the attic um, <laughs> due to the pandemic. Uh, but you said that you plan on going to the polls uh, in November to vote. You still feeling strong yes. about that? Absolutely. Feeling stronger every day, to quote Chicago, your favorite group. And let me just say this. I was hoping, I haven't heard much about this, but you, since you were, mentioned the NBA. I'll now take the opportunity to talk a little NBA. Uh, supposedly, the NBA cut a deal with the players where they were going to open up arenas so people could vote. And I was really hoping to go cast my vote in the house that MJ built, in the house that Michael Jeffrey Jordan built. Yes, I was going to go to the United Center and cast my vote. I was really hoping, but I haven't heard any details of that. I'm starting to feel like, eh, that was one of those... You know, big t- items gets talked about and then quietly dropped. 
I'm not quite sure if they're going to do it. If they do do it, or is it just going to be like a precinct? What a waste to have the United Center just be used for one precinct, whatever precinct that is. I guess it's a 27th ward. Unbelievable that I know that. Uh, so I would guess it's like the 27th ward as opposed to a citywide voting place. I think that would be really cool. In fact, I would drag you there, D, to oh. vote. <laughs> But uh, no, so I'm, uh, yes, I am definitely voting. I, I view it as like going to the jewel. I go to the jewel all the time, but put my mask on, put my hazmat suit on, and I'm going in there. I'm going <laughs> to cast my vote. You're not putting on a hazmat suit, are you? I just like saying hazmat. It's a funny word. Right. Hazmat. And um, so anyway, yes, I'm going to vote in person. I'm not quite sure if I'm going to vote election day or before. Keep you posted on that, D. What about you, Live I, I, I know who I'm going to vote for, though. Oh, yeah? I think I know who you're going to vote for, too. For 10 trivia points. Come who on, am I man. Vote for? <laughs> yeah, that's my guy, Joey B. Grandpa Joe. You know, I was for him 100% from the get-go, right, D? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, was he ever in the top five? Yeah, he, he would get into your top five. He would be like number two and then almost the number one, then back to no. five after Yang didn't wear a tie. No, he was uh, he was never number two. Number two, one and two were solid from the get-go. He, I think he may have inched up to three at one point. Remember? You know, D, I kind of like Biden. Everybody would laugh. My coworker, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. All right, live stream chat. What are you guys planning on doing? You voting by mail? You going to the polls to vote? Let us know. Weigh in. We'll read your comments. Also, let us know. You can send us an email if you're listening on the download. BennyJShow at gmail.com. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J, show at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a message on social media at Benny J show uh, a board spokesman said directors will take up Pritzker's election day plan on Monday. Now, earlier we were joking around uh, about who JB Pritzker's got in the NBA playoffs. Honestly, we have no clue guys. We don't even know if he even likes basketball. All we really know about this guy is, uh, you know, which concert he attended was his favorite best concert. Yeah. Steve Miller band <laughs> and the Eagle loves the Eagles. <laughs> By the way, D, can I just tell you one thing? I have, to, I have a confession to make. I, I was really reluctant. I didn't know if I was going to make this confession. But the other day I was driving in my car. Driving in my car. And I turned on the radio and I heard uh, the live version of Hotel California by the Eagles. Oh, yeah. And I'm a little embarrassed to say that I loved it so much I was playing air guitar when we got to the light and it's an acoustic guitar air guitar acoustic guitar in my car d i'm a little embarrassed and i thought of you at that time i did i thought uh oh the d would be laughing at me because we always do the bit about pritzker loving the eagles i was like i am liking this song a little too much it's an embarrassing welcome to the hotel california but if the governor wanted to put money down on an NBA game, there wouldn't be anything wrong with that. Because in Illinois, you can now legally bet on sports. And Ben Jarofsky, I know what you're about to ask. Is Illinois' new legal sports betting industry bringing in any money? Wait, hold on. Uh, Dennis, I have a question. Uh, is Illinois' new legalized gambling industry bringing in any money? Oh, you bet. <laughs> 
Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we did not set that up. I did not know. First of all, it was a strain to literally remember what he said. Okay. That wasn't easy, particularly since I didn't get any sleep last night, which we won't get into right now. And so I'm there like, what did he say and how did he say it? So, well, we won't get into your, your sleeping habits ever. All right. The following comes from the Sun-Times and Mitchell Armentrout. According to the first sports wagering revenue sports released this week by the Illinois Gaming Board, gamblers plunked down more than $61.8 million statewide from the time the state's first bet was placed in March. And that figure is a lock to skyrocket thanks to the bet-heavy NFL slate that kicked off last week. The state's first round of revenue reports only cover the first two sports books to open in Illinois, Rivers Casino in Des Plaines, and the downstate Argosy Casino in Alton, Illinois. Books have since opened at five more casinos and at Hawthorne, been so far... Soccer has been the most popular sport to bet on, drawing almost $24.8 million in bets, followed by baseball at $18.5 million. Boxing and mixed martial arts drew $5.7 million. Golf, $5.6 million. And maybe J.B. Pritzker's favorite, we're not sure, basketball at $4.2 million. It looks like football only drew about $100,000 largely on teams' future prospects. Since the report covers bets placed before the season started, uh, NFL games draw the highest percentage of the U.S. handle, according to the American Gaming Association, uh, accounting for up to a third of the market in some states. Yeah, you know, gambling is a serious addiction. I've talked about this many times, and folks have it, and uh, yeah. And, and, and the football numbers, D, your last point uh, is... Uh, very telling the season has just got started you will see the money pouring that pouring down for football and the uh with the big 10 announcing it's going to begin uh its season in october the college season will kick off you're going to see a lot of money in college football as well and this is the fun we talk about the politics of football so much the way uh football has become very politically divided first, you know, with uh, Colin Kaepernick taking the knee and Donald Trump and the Republicans using that against the Democrats. Uh, and uh, then the counter push by the, the players in the NFL to stand up for their right to take a knee, to stand up for their right not to stand. Uh, and so the political skirmish that that involved, it's one of my favorite topics, actually. I love talking about it and writing about it. Uh, so it's become very divisive politically. Uh, and, uh, but be that as it may, no matter how divided this country can be, uh, is about the politics of football, the obsession that gamblers have with plunking down money on this game, I think outweighs it. And I, D, I'm gonna, you're going to see money pouring in uh, gambling on football. It's a sickness, this obsessiveness, this obsessive gambling. And the state is dependent on the money. You know, this gets back to the whole fair tax. The state, we have obligations we have to meet. The state's dependent on that gambling money. I don't know how far it'll go. It's just starting. You know, we, uh, we still don't have the casino in Chicago. That's a whole other story. Um, so I don't know how much we could depend on it. I don't really know. If, uh, obviously, we're not going to have casino money in Chicago for this whole year. But despite all the political wrangling, 
When it comes to football, it all goes out to the windows, out the window when you get to the junkie gamblers who are uh, completely and utterly addicted to that fix. They want to win. They got to get that money. So they're going to put their money down. Football football just lends itself to gambling. uh, And you're going to see that number go up as the football season unwinds. Definitely going to see that number go up. All right. Before we move on here, uh, the live stream chat has weighed in on how they're going to vote come November 3rd. Uh, We got Jim. Jim on the live stream chat. What's up, Jimbo? He says he's voting early in Will County. Uh, Frank says he's voting by mail. He already requested his ballot. And Brianna, what's happening, Brianna? Brianna says she's voting by drop off ballot at the Board of Elections. That's a pretty safe way to do it, Brianna. I think you're. Uh, I, I'm just old school. I love. I I flirted with um, for a long time. I was doing early voting, and then the lines for early voting got so long, and went back to day of voting. Uh, but uh, no, I'm 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 going to go. D. I'm going to have confidence. I voted in the primary. Remember? Did you vote? I can't remember. In uh, remember the primary? Kind oh, of seems like yeah, yeah, history. yeah. I voted. I the, voted. The day of, though, that's what I'm asking. The oh, day no, of. I early voted. You early voted. Anyway, I went. Uh, it was, it was, that was the early days of the pandemic, and we didn't quite know what to expect. And it was just, oh, God, I remember that so well. We, had, it, we hadn't hit the stay-at-home orders and the uh, social distancing orders, but the concern, the fear was growing. Uh, and Pritzker insisted that we have the uh, primary. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. A lot of people criticized him for it. The guy may have criticized him for it. Well, it was days before he did the the stay at home kind of deal, where it's like, all right, you know, try not to go anywhere, you know, stay home, stay put, and then like, oh yeah, by the way, go vote. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> huh? I don't that know what to the, do. That was the first mixed message that we got. So I was very scared. I remember going uh, to the poll. It was very, all right, let me get this done with. Uh, and I. Uh, yeah, I had my little cheat sheet for the judges. God, I had to take that thing out, pushing the judges. In fact, I just said, you know what? Forget it. I got to get out of here. Sorry, judges. I can't vote for you. All right. Expect that to happen again when Ben votes in person. Uh, Doogie is voting in person with his mom. Uh, and also Fred said he is going to be voting by mail. So feel free to weigh what in. What about you, I'm going to go in. Boy, you gonna wear a mask? Oh, of course. I think you're gonna require masks. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely gonna wear a mask. Yeah. All right, Benjarovsky, pop quiz time, buddy. For 10 trivia points, Mm -hmm. which candidate did you vote for in the gubernatorial primary election back in 2018? (sighs) Well, this is a bit of a sore subject for me, D, but uh, I must be honest, I cannot tell a lie. Plus, I've already said it on the air, so somebody could go back and go, wait a minute. He said A here, but my records show he said B there. And then they would play the two. So I must confess, I voted for young Dan Biss, state senator from Evanston. At the time, he was a state senator from Evanston. And Latisa Wallace was his running mate, the great Latisa Wallace. So I voted for that ticket in the Democratic primary. Yes, I did, D. Yes, I did. That's correct. Nice work. Thank you. Very <laughs> nice work. So we actually have a quick 2021 
Illinois election candidate update. Breaking news out of Evanston, Illinois. And uh, Ben, please try to contain your excitement. (laughs) Daniel Biss is running for Evanston mayor. (laughs) Whoa. You told me this uh, earlier today. Let's let the cat out of the bag. Way to ruin the bit, uh, buddy. Uh, <laughs> well, I just honesty, D. Honesty, honesty. Uh, and so I got to be honest about it. But I haven't read any articles. All right. Let me just say that. I still haven't seen it. I'm just, what if you're, what if it's like an April Fool's joke you're playing well, on? Well, it's here? September. So there wouldn't be. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. But- uh, April Fool's come late. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, I was a little surprised. When you told me this, Dan, are there any more details that you have about this story? Daniel Biss is running for mayor. Yes, that Daniel Biss, the former Democratic state senator who ran for governor against J.B. Pritzker in the primary of 2018. Now, the Evanston municipal election isn't until April, but candidates must file petitions in November. Biss says his real focus in the coming weeks is working to get Joe Biden and other Democrats elected. Biss answered more questions in a Q&A with the Evanston Roundtable. Biss, who is currently a consultant for the Energy Foundation, has lived in Evanston with his family for 14 years. Biss recently told Shia Campos and Illinois Politico, quote, We're in the midst of serious national discussions about racial justice, policing, and segregation, critical issues that shape the fabric of our society and that are addressed in large part at the municipal level. That gives progressive communities like Evanston the opportunity to enact visionary policies on these topics. It would be an extraordinary privilege to lead us through that process. Wow. Well, uh, Dan Biss uh, was the favorite of, I would say, a good chunk of uh, white progressives uh, in the state of Illinois, particularly uh, folks in Evanston. I think he was pretty popular in Evanston uh, as well, though I'm not sure if he got the Evanston Democrats endorsement, because J.B. Pritzker has a lot of supporters uh, in Evanston as well. You know, D, I, I uh, later came to regret my vote uh, for Dan Biss. I uh, voted for Dan Biss. I feel I was um, sort of coerced uh, into voting for Dan Biss. And the reason I regret it, I thought that Bob Diver, Diver the downstate Democrat, uh, was the best uh, candidate in the race. Or when I say that, the candidate closest to me in terms of the issues I care about, in terms of supporting unions, in terms of supporting education. And he was a candidate who had no chance of winning. He had no name recognition. The only people who paid any attention to him were myself and Dennis. Uh, We would bring him on to the radio show. And in part, I did it because he's from the same downstate community that Dennis is from. And I also was really curious if Democrats truly want to win in Trump country, what kind of candidates should they run? What kind of rhetoric should they use? What kind of issues should they raise? Uh, can they be dedicated union supporters? Can they talk about raising the, the rates on the highest uh, wage earners in the state of Illinois? And these are all things that Bob Diver stood for. And so I was really convinced that he was the best choice. My vote, that little one vote, the symbol it had, uh, I thought I should give it to Bob Diver. I wasn't going to vote for J.B. Pritzker. I just, I felt as though he was Johnny come lately to the progressive cause. Uh, I felt as though that it was like something very cynical about 
billionaire coming in and financing uh, his election. I thought it was the Democratic version of Bruce Rauner. I wanted, and I also felt that he was going to win. So I felt, you know what? I want to, I want to have a symbolic vote, a just to let J.B. Pritzker know that we're out here. And I got coerced. I was all set to vote for Diber, and several Democrats of the progressive persuasion told me I'd be wasting my vote if I voted for Diber, that I should vote for Biss, uh, because that would send the greatest message. So I voted for Biss. And later, afterward, immediately, Dennis was like, well, I voted for Diber. And I was like, you know, that's ballot envy. It was really envious. <laughs> you've, you've been envious about that for a while. And it was be like, it's a cool thing to say I voted for Bob Diver because now most people go, who? Who's that? So, but I voted for Dan Biss. Uh, I have no regret about Letitia Wallace, one of my favorite guests, love her d- uh, dearly. She doesn't come on the show anymore because she's got a job in the private sector. Uh, they don't really encourage her to speak out about politics, but um, I talked to her from time to time on the phone. And uh, so I was happy to have Give my vote for Latisa Wallace. How about that, D? So I got something out of it. I got to vote for Latisa Wallace. Oh. So anyway, Danny Best, mayor of Edison, huh, D? Yeah, yeah. Yes, and I did vote for Bob Diber. We got to get down to business. Yeah! That's my dude. All right, so what do you think uh, business chances are of becoming Evanston mayor? Better than becoming Illinois governor? Yes. What I don't know, because I haven't read the article, is the incumbent Steve Haggerty, and give me credit for even knowing who the incumbent mayor of Evanston is. Is he running for re-election? Has he announced? It seems like it say. so far. I haven't seen the um, story saying that he's stepping down. Well, even though I'm a proud graduate of Evanston Township High School and uh, was a distinguished scholar there for many years, uh, somehow or other miraculously passed chemistry. Thank you, uh, Mr. Taylor, one more time uh, for your social promotion. Uh, I have not closely followed Evanston politics enough to say uh, that uh, Biss can beat the incumbent mayor. I will say this, that he is completely in uh, tune with the type of Evanston Democrat, uh, that progressive, uh, actually kind of liberal, even on uh, uh, even on economic issues. Evanston, usually, you know, the, the stereotypical North Shore Democrat is that uh, they're they hate paying taxes. So they always go, I'm conservative on fiscal issues like, you know, they've studied the economy or something. You just don't want to pay taxes, cheapskates. All right. Uh, so they're fiscal. They're conservative on the fiscal issues, but they're liberal on uh, social issues like uh, abortion rights or gay rights or things like that. So that's your conventional North Shore uh, Democrat. But as you move into Evanston, they become a little more liberal on uh fiscal issues. I know the taxes are outrageous in Evanston property taxes. And it's that crazy system we have, ladies and gentlemen, uh, where our school funding is determined by the property tax. And so Evanston doesn't have a really strong business base it could tap for property taxes. So the residents have to pick up most of the burden. Unlike, let's say, Skokie, uh, which has uh, Old Orchard for years. Skokie was like, oh, property taxes are lower than yours. Evanston. Like weird rivalries between these suburbs. Huh? property taxes are lower come to skokie where we have the lower property taxes oh you got old orchard okay stop bragging about it uh so yeah evanston's have high property taxes uh, but folks you know they, that's what they do they support their public schools they have great public schools in evanston uh, don't take me as an example yes it's true i graduated from evanston high school but they were just nice they passed me along so 
I think that Danny uh, Dan Business Politics will fit in well with Evanston uh, politics. The uh, also there's a black community in Evanston. People don't realize that. I want to say it's like fifteen to twenty percent of uh, the population. Curious if Dan Biss can do well there. So uh, it's, uh, I don't know if it's a slam dunk with the incumbent. I have to do a little more study on that one, D. All right. We'll be keeping you posted on that race uh, and many more Ben Jarofsky shows to come. I have a feeling. So don't worry about that. Uh, one more local election story that we'd like to talk about here. Uh, Willie Wilson. You heard about his uh, recent endorsement, right, Ben? Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. It was the FOP that endorsed wow. Willie Wilson. And the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Mitch Dudek. Uh, businessman Willie Wilson Wednesday brushed aside concern that any negative effects of receiving the endorsement of the Chicago Police Union in his campaign for a seat in the U.S. Senate could outweigh the good. Wilson, who is African-American, said it gave him no pause to receive an endorsement by a police union that also endorsed President Donald Trump and has been sharply criticized by the Black Lives Matter movement for perpetrating violence against people of color. We have a quote from Willie Wilson. Willie Wilson said, quote, I'm a citizen of Chicago, and I'm also a citizen of the United States of America. If anybody can understand race, it's me. Wilson pointed to his childhood spent in the South under Jim Crow segregation laws and said the experience made him want to unite people. Wilson went on to say, quote, I learned not to hate. I'm not a divider. I'm a person who tries to bring you together. These are the men and women that protect us and put their lives on the line. And if there's any miscommunications, which there is, we must bridge those gaps and come together. Ben Jarofsky, your thoughts on the FOP's endorsement of Willie Wilson. Well, uh, let me put it this way. Willie Wilson's a good friend of this show. Uh, he came on this show. Uh, he always comes on. He's uh, he's not afraid to debate. Oh, my God, Willie Wilson, the great debate with Troy LaRavier. Uh, and uh, Willie Wilson with Monroe Anderson. Maybe may my favorite debate of all time because Monroe gave it to him good. Look, Willie Wilson's a Republican. Let's be honest. Willie Wilson is Republican, and um, he voted for Rauner. He was friends with Rauner. Rauner threw him under the bus, but he still remained friends with Rauner. He voted for Donald Trump in 2016. He's probably going to vote for him again in 2020. He's a Republican. He's flirted with the Democratic Party from time to time. The, the, the chief political strategist in his corner was, is Ricky Hendon, another dear friend of the show probably the smartest political uh, brain in uh, Willie Wilson's brain trust. I don't know if Ricky's still with them, but uh, they were allied for years and years. Uh, and Ricky is a Democrat. So that kind of Willie has to flirt with that, uh, with the Democrats. And also when he ran for mayor of Chicago, you know, he couldn't come out and say, well, I'm a, a Republican. That wouldn't get you very far. So Willie Wilson ran on his name and his reputation and his legacy as being a very generous philanthropist. And he is. And I think his heart is good. And when I think of Republicans that I like, Willie Wilson is one of the few that I can say I like. You know, he's he he's look, Willie actually believes that Republican conservative ideology that you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, he certainly did. 
although like everybody else, he got help. Nobody does it completely by themselves. Ray Kroc helped him out big time. Willie Wilson will tell you that. He'll acknowledge that. Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's. So Willie Wilson actually just believes. He really does believe that Republican, pull yourself up by the bootstrap ideology. Don't become dependent on government. And that's why he's vulnerable to fall for Republicans like Bruce Rauner. But now he's running uh, as an independent. And I think that's real here, folks. His role in this race is to try to take Democratic votes away from Dick Durbin. I don't believe there's any way in the world that Willie Wilson can win this race. And I believe the Fraternal Order Police, though they don't share their thoughts with me, I will bet you that they have the same attitude I do. And so this is kind of a cynical endorsement by the Fraternal Order Police. I'd be curious to see if they donate money to Willie Wilson's campaign. You know? Uh, be curious to see if they campaign for Willie Wilson in areas where their support would help him. But I think this is uh, purely a cynical move by the Fraternal Order Police to try to soften their uh, reputation, which has turned off so many voters in Chicago, particularly in the black community, by embracing Willie Wilson uh, and uh, effectively undercutting Dick Durbin. That if Willie Wilson has a role in this election, it's to take votes away from Dick Durbin uh, so that the Democratic incumbent cannot win and the Republican Mark Curran wins. That is what very cynical operatives in the Republican Party and the Fraternal Order Police think that Willie Wilson's role in, in my humble opinion. So, D, when I see this, I just have to shake my head, you know, uh, Obviously, the Fraternal Order Police are using Willie Wilson, and Willie Wilson's using the Fraternal Order Police as well, and the mission is to take votes away from Dick Durbin and elect a Republican name by Mark Curran, and I don't think it's going to work. All right, so you heard Ben Jarofsky's opinion on why the FOP endorsed Willie Wilson. More than likely right. But Chicago's Fraternal Order of Police Union President John Catanzara, this guy's become like a local celebrity in the last few months, uh, he praised Wilson for his support for the union, which has included donating masks to protect officers during the pandemic. Catanzara said, quote, Dr. Wilson made us two promises. He believes in protecting our pensions and he said if there's any defunding going on, he'd move out of Chicago. And we're all going to move with him. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Can I just say something about uh, John uh, Canizera and the Chicago Sun-Times? I've said this before. I'll say it again. John Canizera, you better send some flowers to the Chicago Sun-Times. They freaking love you. Not only do they quote you in every single story, your picture. This is the Sun-Times, D. It's, the, it's not the Chicago Sun-Times. It's the Canizera Sun-Times. There are three, count of three pictures of Johnny C. And he's wearing different things in every picture. Okay? So first of all, let me go to this. Let me just say this. Here's a picture. A headline, rough start to cop talks. Fran Spielman and Sam Charles wrote the story about the police negotiation of a new contract. There's a picture of Lori Lightfoot. And then there's a picture of John Canizera. He's, he's let that, like, the beard grow in, D. He's kind of like you. He's got to look sort of like you with the beard growing in a little bit. Uh, and he's wearing a blue shirt. 
okay, nice blue shirt. You turn the page, and here's John Canizera speaking at a rally. I think we're going to be discussing this rally. This will be a tease. And he's wearing some kind of like a gray shirt with a baseball hat. And then right next to that, a third picture. One, two, three, third picture of Canizera, and he's wearing a suit. And this is where he's embracing Willie Wilson. They're shaking hands. And Kenazir is wearing a mask. This is so funny. For the picture with Willie Wilson, Kenazir is wearing a mask. It's just Willie Wilson and Kenazir, but he's wearing a mask. All right? So, and he's wearing a suit. He's got a tie. He's looking very distinguished and dapper. Okay? And I'm thinking, I guess... He uh, really wants to be look responsible that he takes the virus serious. He's wearing a mask. He doesn't want to undercut Willie Wilson and probably look bad for Willie Wilson. Of course, Willie's not wearing a mask. Huh. Willie, Willie, Willie. All right, but Candace is wearing a mask. Then you go to the picture of the big rally. We'll get to the big rally in a little bit, D. And there's like 600 people all jammed together at this square in Jefferson Park. I see one mask. And Kinnazer is not wearing a mask. And he doesn't even have a, well, he's, he's got the microphone. He's not he's speaking. So you go, oh, Ben, he's got the, he's took the mask off because he's speaking. He doesn't have the mask around his neck. So just interesting little panoramic view of John Canizera. You just go from page six to page seven to page eight. Yes, you're absolutely correct, D. Uh, he has very successfully uh, taken advantage of his position as the head of Fraternal Order Police uh, to position himself as the leading Trump person in Chicago. So that's, you know, he's like Mr. Trump in Chicago. And as a result, He's getting a lot of attention from my beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun-Times. All right, let's end it out with some more city news here. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Today, Mayor Lightfoot will be at West Randolph Street at 4 p.m. with Alderman Walter Burnett Jr. Been of what ward? 27th. What a nerd. The mayor will be with (laughs) Burnett Jr. and Marquette Company's president and CIO Darren Sloninger for the groundbreaking of two large apartment projects in the Fulton Market community. I would try to live there, but I'm uh, broke ass. Uh, Yeah, yeah. But the Jefferson Park community uh, uh, played host to a Back the Blue pro-police rally Wednesday. It was outside the Jefferson Park Police District and drew more than 600 police supporters with nearly four dozen counter-protesters. The Chicago Sun-Times and Fran the Woman Spielman writes, some wore masks as they roamed the street waving police flags. Many did not. Besides a yelling match between the two groups, overall, the event remained peaceful. And despite Alderman Nick Spazzato, Ben what ward? Uh, Nicky Spazzato is, oh, I just blanked on it. He is the 38th. You, you did it again. Uh, <laughs> Alderman Nick Spazzato's uh, hope to avoid politics, the event took on a political undertone, which was ultimately the reason some aldermen had earlier decided not to attend. Benny J, the ball is yours. Wow. Okay, I just started talking about this. John Canizera, the head of the Chicago Fraternal Order Police, uh, has openly, they've endorsed Donald Trump. Uh, Canizera defeated uh, in, the, in the last election. He was victorious. Both of the candidates 
in that election were uh, Trump supporters. So this is <laughs> this gives you an indication politically where the fraternal order police is coming. The people who made it, the two candidates who made it to the runoff were both Trump supporters. And Ken Azera basically won because he was more Trumpian than the other guy. All right. Now, I always point this out. Donald Trump got like, I don't know, 12% of the vote in Chicago in 2016. In the black wards, he got less than 2%. There's a precinct in the 24th ward, I want to say, on the west side where he didn't get any votes. He's exceedingly, Donald Trump, unpopular in Chicago's black community. So to be a union that has endorsed Donald Trump, you're sort of putting yourself at odds with a good chunk of people in Chicago, the city where you're represented. Like over 80% of the people in Chicago are against Donald Trump. So that puts aldermen who support you in a really difficult position. And that comes up to yesterday's Back to Blue rally uh, on the northwest side. As I understand it, the Back to Blue rally is always supported by Nick Spazzato. And listen, guys, I am biased in this one. I like Nick Spazzato. He voted for Trump in 2016. Everybody's got like a Trump friend. Don't you have a Trump friend, D? You must have a Trump friend, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, Nick Spazzato's my Trump friend. And Nick Spazzato's stand-up guy, always supports unions, supported the teachers when they went on strike in 2012. And I remember when he ran against John Banks' organization, a very powerful Northwest Side organization. He's a firefighter. He has a lot of guts. So when I say this, I realize I have a sort of a pro-Nick Spazzato bias here, even though we don't agree on anything politically. And Nick Spazzato said that I'm not going to go to that rally because you're making it political. And it is political. The freaking pictures in the Sun-Times show it. The same picture in the uh, in the Sun-Times to show the rally where nobody's wearing a mask except for one guy. Okay. This huge crowd of people. Let me just think about that. Guys, why aren't you wearing the masks? What, you think it's a joke? I mean... There's like 400 of you crowded together in this one little area. Did you hear about Herman Cain? Sorry, Dave, I was almost ready to bang the table on that one. Anyway, that same picture's got one, two, three, four, no, three Trump signs. One is a flag, a freaking Trump Pence flag. You're putting aldermen in an awkward position. When you ask them to come to a rally, Fraternal Order Police, to support the police, in which you're waving Trump's banners. Joe Biden supports the police. Joe Biden says he's against the defund the police movement. Joe Biden's under attack by many people in the Democratic Party. Joe Biden's taken a more courageous stand to support the police than Donald Trump is. Donald Trump supporting the police is easy. So Fraternal Order Police, I don't understand your political strategy at all. You're isolating yourself from the vast majority of people in Chicago. You're alienating the people who support you. And you're fighting a guy who says he's on your side and Joe Biden. But no, you turn this into a Trump rally. And so Nick Spazzato, who's a back to blue guy from the time he gets up until the time he goes to bed, he can't go. Chris Taliaferro, alderman of the 29th Ward, uh, chairman of what is it? The police committee. And the Chicago City Council, he himself is a police officer. He couldn't go. How could Chris Taliaferro, a black man from the 29th Ward, which is a majority black ward on the west side of Chicago, show up to a Trump rally? 
how does that make any sense? If your strategy is to build support in Chicago, a city one more time that voted like 87% against Trump, if your strategy is to build support in the black community where Trump got less than 2% of the vote, how are you going to do that by having a rally where people are waving Trump's flags? So yes, it was political. It was a Trump rally. And uh, it was a Trump rally that gave a two big middle fingers to the notion that the pandemic is real and that we have to take precautions against it because nobody's wearing a freaking mask. So it was like Trump on steroids. And so, yes, I don't blame it. There wasn't, it, I don't even think Raylo went. And they, and Ken Azera was bad mouthing Raylo, Raymond Lopez, 15th Ward Alderman. Look, Raylo comes on the show. I always tease him. I think, Raylo, you're heading to Trump country with that one. You're heading to Trump country. You're sounding a little like Donnie Trump. But even Raylo knows he cannot be openly for Donald Trump in the 15th war, which is uh, heavily, uh, it's got like, I think it's like almost 50% black, 50% Hispanic. Raylo knows he can't be a Trump supporter with that kind of constituency. I don't know who Raylo is going to vote for. The privacy of the booth, he can do whatever he wants. But openly, publicly, he can't come out and support Donald Trump. So, Canizera, you didn't do any favors for your automatic supporters. You put them in a real tough position, and then you badmouth them when they didn't show up. So, listen, I give him credit, D. The guy is a master of publicity. One. Two, three different pictures in today's Sun-Times. Unbelievable. Sun-Times loves Canizera. Like I said, we haven't been in the studio in a while. There's a good chance we go back in that studio. There's a Canizera bear, a banner hanging up on the wall. Get out of here, douchebags. He's probably- <laughs> you hippies. And take He's your probably- Mayor Washington statue. Oh, my God. Could you imagine if he saw that man? Bro, I know he, they let it. They read it out to him. I mean, we haven't been there since March. <laughs> I know. Kinsera could be like in there typing. <laughs> so you know, I mean, I don't even think the Tribune. Let me look at my Tribune. Hold on, I don't think he. I mean, the Sun Times gives him more love than the Tribune. Let's see, are any pictures of Johnny C in the? Yeah, here he is. Here's a picture of him in the Tribune. He's wearing a t- white shirt. Four different. That's Johnny C. I gotta give him credit. Three pictures in the Sun-Times, one in the Tribune. So uh, he's done very well for himself in terms of generating publicity. I got to give him credit. He's the master of publicity. Not, not unlike Donald Trump. Well, hey, so maybe he has a political future out of him, you know? Cat and Zara, I left a bag of uh, cashews there in the studio. Don't you touch them. Those are mine. <laughs> ah, cashews. Did we, any, mm. we, did we leave any food back at the studio? I couldn't tell you. It's been so long ago. I know. I can't remember. I know I left something. Uh oh. My city club certificate. City, yeah. Kenazera probably has my city club certificate. And if I know him, he scratched out the name Ben Jarofsky and wrote Johnny C. <laughs> no, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. Just uh, kidding. All this talk Just here. Kidding. Don't be surprised if you find uh, me and Ben in jail by uh, the on. next few days. What? Oh, oh, who's oh, that? Oh, you're under arrest. Oh, no. 
<laughs> All right. The Ben Jarofsky show live from prison. Okay. So let's go ahead and uh, wrap it up here. Uh, live from prison. <laughs> follow us at Benny J show, B E N N Y the letter J show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can send us an email, Benny J show at gmail.com. Leave us a message. Uh, if you could, please uh, leave your name and where you're from. It could be a fake name. We won't know just a name and where you're from. All right. That's all we ask. And, uh, you can leave us a voicemail. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show has a phone number, 708-658-4788. That number again. 708-658-4788. We would love to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail. Oh, Doogie actually left us a second voicemail. I got to play that. I'll try to do that uh, at the end of today's show. Reach out to the Ben Jarofsky Show, won't you? Reach out and touch somebody's here. Come on, Johnny Canizera. That's it. Okay, well, I don't want to go to jail, so let's just... Uh, coming up, everybody, is our good friend Candace Castillo. She's making her long-awaited return. She's going to be talking all things the 2020 election and more. So don't go anywhere, people. It is the Ben Jarofsky Show. We are live from my apartment in Ben's attic.
correct. I tested very positively in a in another sense. So Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Candace Castillo is a political strategist, a political operative, a talk show host, big time Democrat. Well, at least she wants Joe Biden to beat Donald Trump. I don't know if she's a big time Democrat. We'll get her talking about that in a little while. And as I recall, she was a big time supporter of Elizabeth Warren. Uh, as I recall, nope, she's already shaking her head going, Ben, you got it wrong. You got it. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Candace Castillo, it's been so long since you've been on the show that I forgot who you supported uh, in the last election. So uh, correct me. First of all, welcome back to the show. Number Thank one. Thank you, man. And number two, correct me. Who did you support in that last election? Okay. So I was not a huge supporter of Elizabeth Warren, but it was definitely Elizabeth over Biden. Like, if I pick my type five, Biden was number five. Were you for Elizabeth Warden or Bernie? They were a close one and two. Elizabeth kind of was over Bernie for me, but they were a close one and two. All right. So you're a very progressive voter. That I got that right. And yes. uh, you are definitely of the progressive persuasion. So that leads me to the first question. Uh, as a progressive voter, as a person of the progressive persuasion, as a person whose one, two were uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren or Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, what are you feeling about Joe Biden these days? I am feeling that um, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg retires, <laughs> we need Joe Biden who will point appoint somebody that is not a white supremacist like Trump has been doing with the courts, with the lower courts. I am of the persuasion that we need a justice department that's not inflating the numbers of quote unquote Antifa members and deflating the, uh, the numbers of white supremacist organizations. I am of the opinion that we need a president who won't say things like science doesn't know what it's talking about. Mm -hmm. um, I am also of the opinion that we need somebody in office who won't have, you know, the CDC inflating, um, 
different numbers are changing the medical journals that they put out to go with Trump's talking points. And this is the same person that thinks Q9 is after them. I am of the persuasion that we need a human grown up in the office of the presidency. So essentially you're being very strategic. Uh, Candace, I think we may have lost Candace Castillo. We lost the connection with Candace Castillo. We're going to have to uh, call her back. Just the thought of being strategic uh, somehow or other uh, shattered our phone connection. Uh, so Dennis <laughs> is going to call her call her back. As soon as I said, so essentially you're being very strategic. The phone died. And that was a strategic decision there uh, upon Candace to see, uh, Castillo to drop the line there. I'll uh, reach out here. All right, very good. Uh, uh, Candace Castillo was saying that. Uh, oh, here she is. She's right back. Oh, um, I'm sorry. That's all. It's 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 all good. All right. So what I was saying uh, is that essentially you're making a, a strategic decision. Uh, that it's not so much that you love Joe Biden, but you're just you realize that the alternative is far uh, worse. It's not that I love Joe Biden, and I want to say this, and I want to say it. Clearly, I don't think I know and I call friends, lots of elected officials, but I am not a sycophant for any elected official. And I do hold those elected officials, even the ones I call friend, friend and love. I hold them accountable. So I think one Joe Biden, we might have to bring our own folding chair to the table, especially as a black progressive person. I might have to bring my own folding chair to the table, but I know I can at least get to the table. Mm -hmm. I can't even protest outside the White House right now without getting tear gas. That's insane. What's going on now is insanity. This isn't a administration this is an oligarchy in the making uh you mentioned uh, uh being a black progressive let's talk about something that i know is on your mind uh, we discussed it earlier today uh, the democratic party taking uh, certain voters for granted i could get into how they take lefty voters for granted we'll put that on the back burner for the moment the democratic party taking black voters for granted do you think they're still doing that Definitely. And and it's unfortunate, but there were people in the primaries that I actually liked who were taking the black vote for granted. And they were doing it because they felt like they could. So it wasn't a thing. It was a thing. What, what did Joe Biden say that made me very angry? I got it, though. He was saying, like, hey, you're not really black if you don't vote for me and you vote for Trump over me. That made a lot of black people very angry. They, there is no plan to talk to black voters. They are still trying to capture the voters that they lost to Reagan in the 80s. They're still trying to go back to those counties. That doesn't work. We need elected officials with a plan or who at least want to talk to black people to determine the plan. And I'm not talking about one or two 
representatives. I'm talking about having real conversations with community about plans for the black community. I'm talking about having those same barbershop conversations that y'all love to have in Iowa, having them in Chicago, having them in Detroit, having them in Milwaukee. That's not happening. Uh, No. Instead, uh, I believe uh, Rahm Emanuel put it this way. This is the year of the Biden Republicans. Uh, And I find this uh, particularly frustrating, Candace. Uh, David Sirota, columnist David Sirota, just wrote a column the other day where he pointed out that at best, uh, Joe Biden will get 5% of the Republican vote. Five. One, two, three, four, five. That's what he's polling at right now. It'll probably be less. Uh, in fact, I would say that when it all said and done, the percentage of voters of Republicans that vote for Joe Biden will be just only slightly more than the percentage of black people who vote uh, for Donald Trump. Uh, you know what? I I don't mind the Republican support of Joe Biden. I don't mind the Republicans getting out there and doing work for Joe Biden. Because honestly, so after Michelle Obama spoke at the Democratic convention, um, she said something about we still don't go low. And the Republicans, I think it's called the Lincoln Project, put out a tweet that said, we go low so you don't have to. (laughs) <laughs> I did see that was a good one yeah that was a great one and yeah. <laughs> I, the, my frustra- a frustrating thing for me is we act like Donald Trump is a normal politician and this is a normal political cycle it's not and Donald Trump isn't alright talk about that a little bit go, uh, go into greater detail uh, uh, how the abnormalities of Donald Trump I mean, he's Donald Trump. Like, even with the transition of power, a president saying in the 21st century that he is not going to go with the peaceful transfer of power, it's crazy. Mm. It's asinine. This is not normal. As much as I couldn't stand George Bush, Bush never said, you know, well, if somebody else wins then I'm not going to go quietly or no president says there's going to be riots in the street. If I lose, I don't, I honestly don't think Trump cares about the country. I think Trump cares about Trump. Mm -hmm. I thought Bush was crazy. I thought a lot of people were crazy, (laughs) but I honestly feel like he loved the country to an extent, loved his pockets more, loved rich oil barons more. (laughs) But Trump, I don't think he loves the idea of democracy at all. Yeah, and in terms of race relations, uh, at least George Bush uh, pretended I have, I have no idea what is in a person's heart, but he pretended that he cared. So he would do things like uh, uh, on Martin Luther King's birthday, give a speech 
to the Urban League or something like that. You know, make a symbolic gesture. Donald Trump doesn't, I mean, he, he doesn't care. He doesn't show that he cares. And I know some people find it refreshing in a bizarre way that there's no pretense. I, on the other hand, like to think that there are certain norms that we as a country uh, should adopt if we're ever going to move out of the Jim Crow era. Go ahead. I, I understand finding it refreshing that there's no pretense because, well, this is Chicago and we live with Rahm Emanuel. But what I don't find refreshing is the lack of basic knowledge, the lack of basic understanding. So not knowing that Frederick Douglass was deceased is beyond crazy <laughs> to me. Yeah. Trying to establish a historically black college in the 21st century in Detroit Yes, it takes some research, but somebody should have told that man, no, historically black means it's it's the basic things that he doesn't understand, even with the slavery denials, even what he said about um, soldiers and the amount of black soldiers that have fought in every single war. Again, he does not care. And then people say, well, he funded HBCUs. I'm a historically black college graduate. And you're right. He did sign the paperwork to say to fund HBCUs consistently um, for the next 10 years. He did. Do you know what level he signed that funding at? The same level that they have been getting funded at before. And actually, with inflation, he gives less than Obama administration. Mm -hmm. So I don't I don't know how he's been. And I quote the best president for the blacks. He hasn't done anything now. I know there's plenty of people out there that would say, oh, well, Obama didn't do anything either. Or this person didn't do anything either. Or that person didn't do anything either. But they also did not dismantle systems that have historically helped black and brown people. The first thing that Trump's Justice Department did under the prior um, head of the Justice Department. Attorney General. Attorney General. I'm sorry. The senator from Alabama. Sessions. Jeff Sessions was reinstitute for-profit federal prisons which disproportionately affects black people. Now, unfortunately, there's a lot more black people in the federal justice system than it is at HBCUs. We need to change that. But he made it for profit again. So companies like Whole Foods, Victoria's Secrets can go in there and, you know, look, this man is disgusting as a person. Not just his policies are bad. No, he's disgusting as a person. Oh, my goodness. Are you all right? Sounds like something just fell. That's not uh, me. Oh, <laughs> maybe Dennis. I hope Dennis, Dennis is all right. Okay? Are you okay, Dennis? We're good. 
<laughs> He's okay. <laughs> Something just fell in the background. Everybody's safe and sound. That's good to know. Uh, Candace, uh, since the last time we were in the show, uh, Kamala Harris was named uh, as vice president. I know we spent a lot of time talking about Kamala uh, during the during the campaign. Uh, you would come on uh, to analyze the debates and uh, give your thoughts about Kamala as a candidate. What's your thoughts about Kamala as VP? Okay. Um... Does it feel good to have a woman that is of Southeast Asia and Black ancestry as VP? Yes, it does. And I celebrated that as an achievement for women everywhere. First person in the White House, um, that of that office that went to HBCU, of course, I celebrated that. But do I still get down with her policies? No. I mean, is she... Can she push Joe Biden a little to the left? Just a little. Just a tad. Because she's not that far left. So, I mean, even though I celebrate a black woman in that position... I'm not sold that is going to be such a progressive move for oh so many people. Uh, she's kind of disappeared. This is something I've noticed. Uh, this is not just in a presidential campaign. This happens to many people that are uh, friends of mine over the years uh, when they're state reps or uh, they're uh, aldermen, et cetera, and so forth. They're more or less independent, free to speak their minds. But when they go to work for an administration, all of a sudden, they're to a certain degree, they're subservient to that administration. You follow what I'm saying? They, yeah. They're part of the team, and as part of the team, uh, everything they say has to be vetted by the people who run the team, mm-hmm. and uh, so they disappear. Uh, I, I mean, this is standard operating procedure for a vice presidential candidate. The one example where it didn't work this way, of course, was in 2008, where Sarah Palin uh, became her own presence, and in many cases, in many ways, overshadowed. Uh, John McCain. But I get the feeling that Kamala Harris is more of a traditional vice president and she sort of disappeared from the public. You have the same sense? I do and I don't. Like, so I know just from watching different schedules, like they're sending her to do some smaller um, appearances in some tough places. So, like, they sent her to Florida to talk to the Haitian and Jamaican communities. Well, that's a natural fit. So I think, I honestly think because of Biden's age, they're going to put her in the forefront more. And even during his administration, if he wins, she'll be in the forefront a little bit more often because of his age. Well, uh I hope we see more of that because I do believe, you know, I was drinking more of that Kamala Kool-Aid, uh, as you know, during the campaign than you were. And I, I think she she has a lot of positives uh, that she brings uh, to the campaign. And I'd like to see more of her. I, I think she has some positives. 
I'm, I'm not going to say she has an overbearing amount of positives that I'm just in love with, mm-hmm. but she does bring some to the table. All right, very good. Now let's talk about some of the recent polls. Uh, I get a lot of my uh, Democratic friends, as I say, are very anxious and nervous uh, about what's going on in in the election. Uh, I joked about this earlier. They're always calling me up, uh, either looking uh, for for me to give them some kind of support to get them through their anxieties or somehow or other blaming me uh, for uh, (laughs) the fact that they don't think Joe Biden is doing well enough. But yesterday's polls, I sent them to you, or uh, many of the state polls that came out yesterday, the New York Times chronicled them. Pretty much good news for Joe Biden. And uh, I'll give you one example. In Maine, uh, the latest poll had Joe Biden up by 32 uh, percentage points in Maine. And that was a a race that... uh, that uh, Trump was hoping to snatch from Joe Biden. He's up in uh, there's in Maine. There's one uh, congressional district that's its own separate electoral has its own separate electoral vote. Biden's up nine percent there. Trump won that last time, uh, and uh, he's up in Minnesota big, and he's up in Wisconsin. Are you encouraged by these polls? No. Explain why. Because in many, 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 many of these states that he's up far in, um, Hillary was up up in those states. Now, Biden's likability numbers are much higher than Hillary's were, but I, I'm still, I still have that 2016 burn. Mm-hmm. Because posters were telling us that we need to wear goggles on the night of election night because that glass ceiling was going to be broken and we didn't want glass in our eyes. <laughs> I'm, I'm still skeptical. Now, here's the thing that makes me a little less skeptical. Mm-hmm. We have, um, it's covid A lot of people are voting from home. That means a lot of people are voting right now, right? There are some some people that got ballots this early. Um, That gives me hope. That gives me hope. Well, I I, I took uh, hope from these polls, and uh, there's a bit of bitter greater margin uh, than Hillary had. And I'll put it to you this way. I, I, to- I totally believe, I've said this so many times, that white people lie to pollsters when it comes to Donald Trump. So that's why I'm not totally, and I've said it many, many times. I believe it's clear they're embarrassed by him, and yet he reaches them. He talks to them. It's like, he's like the white person whisperer, Candace. And they, but they don't want to admit it because it it would be embarrassing to admit you're for this lunatic, unless you yourself are openly a lunatic. Do you follow me, Candace Castillo? So, but but then this is one thing. One thing I never got about the Trump phenomenon. I I just don't get it. This man was born into privilege a whole different level of privilege that most of us will never understand. 
how did he become the darling for working class white people? This man of uh, his dad was able to give him all so much money. How did he become the champion for poor white people? It does not make any sense to me. That is the part that I don't think I will ever understand or that will ever make sense to me. Well, well I'll, I'll, I'll help you out a little bit. Thank you. Right. It's race. It's race. And people don't like to talk about it, but it's race. So, but, but, go ahead. Even with Hillary, right? Even with Hillary, even against Hillary, it can be race all day, but even against other white people. Like, as many as despicable white men were in the primary, the Republican primary in 2016, they picked one of the richest, most do nothing is people in general. And that's their hero. That makes no sense to me. I, listen, right. it makes, I, I agree it makes no sense. I began the show by talking about a voter in Wisconsin that, that was chronicled in the newspaper who uh, is a, a loyal Trump supporter, even though he had a terrible two-week bout with COVID. And he admits that before he got the COVID, he was a skeptic, as he put it, about the virus because he was listening to Trump. Gets socked with the disease, gets knocked out of circulation for two weeks with his horrible fevers, up all night, etc., and so forth. And he still supports Trump. And to me, that shows a connection that has nothing to do with logic. It's a connection that's got to do with passion. Uh, a love for the way Trump behaves and the way Trump carries himself and the things he says. And so I'll give you an example. When I say race, there was a, an exchange between Trump and Bob Woodward that I saw in the newspaper. Bob Woodward of the Washington Post just wrote the book about Trump. And we, he did these tape conversations. And Woodward asked him about white privilege. And, and Trump said, you don't drink that. You didn't drink that Kool-Aid, do you? You don't really believe in that, do you? I don't believe in it. And Trump goes out and says that, and people vibe off of that. And so I believe it's, it's Trump's just utter hostility to the notion that we must make any kind of accommodations to black people for slavery and Jim Crow, et cetera, and so forth, that makes him so popular with so many white people. Maybe that's it. I, and, and maybe you're right. Like, I'm not a white man, and I don't want to get in the head of racist white people or people who just want to deny basic history. But I, I just, it's beyond me and beyond my comprehension. Um, why? What's with the love? And what's with the... And I don't, I also don't understand why we as Americans don't believe that we are actually in charge. So, I mean, there's a lot that I'm trying to figure out about the world right now. One thing that I know for sure is I think 
at this point, voting for anybody but Joe Biden, yes, that even means a third-party candidate, yes, that even means Kanye West, is not, is not a smart vote. It's not flexing your political power. It's not. Going to meetings about the Chicago City budget is flexing your political power. Looking up voting records of your local elected officials is flexing your political power. Um, holding political people accountable, whether they're Democrat or Republican, is flexing your power. This, this saying I'm going to hold my vote or I'm not going to vote is not flexing your political power. It's just not smart for our community or anybody else's at this point. Uh, there was a, coincidentally, you mentioned Kanye West. There was a, a big article in the, uh, I think it was the New York Times today, uh, talking about how Democrats, Democrats are so nervous right now, Candace. I'm just telling you, they're freaking out. Uh, and that could be a good thing because that'll keep them busy. I definitely don't think they're going to fall asleep on this election like they did nope. in 2016. Uh, but anyway, they're very concerned that Kanye West will uh, siphon votes away uh, from Joe Biden uh, in like Minnesota. Uh, he's off the ballot here in Illinois, so it's not going to be an impact in Illinois. I don't see it happening. Uh, what's your thoughts about it? I don't. I don't see it happening, but I see strategically what they're trying to do. It doesn't, it's not going to work because it's so apparent. You had literally people who worked on Joe Biden's 26, I'm sorry, not Joe Biden, I'm sorry, Donald Trump's 2016 race actually heading up in different states his signature program. Yeah. And they, I was um, watching some new show, I don't remember which one it was, but they literally ran down the guy getting Kanye West signature. He wasn't telling people the signatures were for Kanye West. He was telling people that the signatures were was for a Republican candidate that's anti-abortion. That's what he was telling people the signatures for. Could you imagine working for a candidate where it's probably best not to mention the candidate's name? Yeah, that's uh, listen, we all know what's going on here. The Republican Party is trying to get Kanye West on the ballot. Kanye West opened it up by saying he wanted to run for president. Lord knows what state of mind he was in when he said it. Uh, the Republican Party have, has gone with it. It's dirty politics. It's Republican politics. The Democrats would do the same thing if they could. I'm not saying that uh, one party is above the other. Lord knows uh, Democrats in, in Chicago have been known to put a candidate or two on the ballot just to confuse the voters and keep them. Uh, for voting for the strongest challenger to the incumbent. So that's old school Democratic politics. I just want to say this to all Republicans out there. I don't want to hear you crying. This is me speaking, not Candace. I do not want to hear you crying about Michael Joseph Madigan and the games he plays because you play the same games. And then you act as though you're all righteous and holy because you criticize Madigan. 
when in fact your operatives, as Candace Castillo just pointed out, are doing all the same old dirty Democratic tricks in Wisconsin, in Minnesota, wherever you can. Here in Illinois, you tried to do it. So that's the thing that really irritates me about Republicans, Candace. They get all holy and self-righteous when they want to criticize Democrats. Um, but then they do the same, <laughs> the same dirty deals, man. I got to give them credit but just thinking about it. They are so shamelessly deceitful. They have no shame, Candace. That's part of how it's so hard to beat them. Because they have no shame. Go. Man, I disagree with you on something. Please I say honestly it. Think, I honestly do not think that they tried to do any, the Republicans tried to do that in Illinois at all. I think they are currently doing it with Willie Wilson on the ballot. Oh, for state senator. Yeah, I got fed. I was talking about for president. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly I just got finished saying that. Yes. Doing. Yeah. So I they mean, see, yeah. They want to see Dick Durbin gone. Okay, a lot yeah. of people want to see Dick Durbin gone for a lot of different reasons. But Willie Wilson, who just accepted the um, the endorsement of FOP in Chicago, mm-hmm. that makes me angry, and it makes me want to ask a lot of Willie Wilson supporters. So what's up now? Because the head of the FOP, who is a huge Trump supporter, definitely does not support reparations. So, which was supposed to be Willie Wilson's big thing. So, what now? How can how can you justify that? You can't. You can't. So when he runs for mayor again in 2023, I'm going to need black people to remember that in Chicago. Fair enough. Uh, and uh, I talked about this already, so I, I went on a whole riff about the Fraternal Order of Police. Uh, essentially, they are become a political wing. They're Donald Trump's political wing uh, in uh, the state of Illinois, city of, definitely in the city of Chicago. That rally they had uh, yesterday would turn into a Trump rally, which is why so many aldermen felt they couldn't go to it. Uh, which I don't think was strategically a good move for the fraternal order of police at all. Uh, but no, for Willie Wilson to embrace them uh, and at the pre- and at the uh, at the, the the event, I don't even know what if it was a press conference, not to talk about reparations uh, is is a very telling sign. You're absolutely uh, correct, Candace. I remember Willie Wilson coming on my show to say, oh, Ben, we have to push hard for reparations. I, I remember it quite clearly. But yes, you are not going to get a Trump voters talking about the need for reparations. The Trump voters right now are into denying slavery. Yep. To re- re- rewriting the history of slavery. So you, you raise a very good point, Candace. All right, Candace Castillo, yeah. I think. Yeah, go ahead. No, I think I'm. No, yeah. I'm here. All right. Uh, I'll close uh, with uh, this question for you uh, on a local question. I've been meaning to ask you this. 
this has been on my mind for a while. The attitude uh, that Chicago parents are having regarding uh, the public schools, completely moving away from national politics, going to, to local politics. I'm uh, I live on the north side. I live I read the Chicago Tribune and the articles I read in the Chicago Tribune are, are frequently quoting uh, outraged north side parents or in one case a grandparent were really mad at the, uh, the Chicago Teachers Union because what? I'm not quite sure why they're mad at the Chicago Teachers Union but has a lot to do with the fact that the Teachers Union is so resistant uh, to sending back teachers to the classrooms in the middle of the pandemic without more control to protect the lives of the kids and the teachers. In uh, You live on the south side. What is attitude of your uh, residents, neighbors, friends, et cetera, and so forth, uh, parents. You're a parent yourself. Uh, yep. What is the attitude toward the teachers? Is there that much hostility toward the teachers uh, on this issue? So, yes and no. There's hostility toward the teachers, especially when you talk about the younger kids. But... It's a hostility toward the system, which I don't feel like that hostility is misguided. Mm-hmm. The, there should have been something better in place. We ended school on March 17th. They went virtual right after that. They saw all the missteps that were made virtually. So it doesn't make sense to me that that's what they chose to go right back and do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. And to go right back and do in that way. Now, I have a nine-year-old son. Thank God for Jaden's teachers, right? My son's teachers have been amazing. From classroom control on the Internet, right, to assigning homework to communicating with parents. They have been amazing. But that's also because most of them have more than 15 years in the school system. It's also because they knew the kids that they were getting this year. CDF has to do better in finding a way for these excellent teachers to teach. And people kill me with the, it's a teacher's union fault. Don't you know that these people got kids at home too? Stacey Davis Gates, Vice President of CTU, and Jesse Sharkey, President of CTU, both have school-aged children at home. They are trying to work and still do e-learning with their kids. Stacey's kids are still in elementary school, and she got three. I got one. I couldn't imagine what she, as a working mom, is going through right now. What my kids' teachers, as working moms, are going through right now. But I'll tell you what I don't want to happen. I don't want my son, who is an asthmatic, being in the school building with anybody that can get COVID. Mm-hmm. I don't want it. Personally, yeah. We live next door to my 83-year-old grandmother. I like being able to go see my grandmother right now. I would keep doing that. When will I not be able to do it? If Jaden was in school around who got the people every day. Yeah. So I don't want to have to do virtual for that much longer. I don't. But I will if I have to, and it keeps my kids, my family safe. 
you got to be able to care about people a little bit more. And I think COVID has really exposed how selfish people are. I saw an interview the other day about the mask ordinance, and people did a rally about not wearing masks. And this woman said, just like George Floyd, I can't breathe with this mask on. Mm-hmm. How insensitive and selfish is that? And why are people okay with being this insensitive and selfish? There are teachers at Catholic schools that have already gotten COVID. Mm-hmm. Who make twenty to thirty thousand dollars a year less than regular CPS teachers? Who really can't afford the cleaning supplies in the Catholic schools? But no one is talking about that. But some of these schools are experiencing that. So what do you do? I I just don't understand the selfishness of some of these parents. I don't. And if it's about sports. Fine, I get some of the athletes like, look, this is my junior year. This is when they're going to offer me a scholarship. I, I got to do something. I get that. I, I definitely get that. But do you want your kids to play ball or do you want somebody else's kids to die? All right, Candace Castillo, thanks so much for coming on the show. I'll talk to you real soon. Thank you take you care, all right? Man. All right. All right. Bye. That, that's bye bye. That's great, Candace Castillo, uh, and uh, tell her like it is about a parent. We're going to have a uh, take a deeper dive on that when I set up a uh, a bonus segment. I'm going to do with my old pal Mick Dumpke. We are going to do a deep dive on football, the politics of football, the politics of the Big Ten returning, how Trump's playing it. That's going to be fascinating. It's going to, I mean, we've talked about this so much to make myself uh, off mic, but we're going to do it on mic. Just the obsession uh, for football in this country and how it's just having uh, playing out politically uh, in this presidential election uh, in some of the states, J.B. Pritzker under pressure from the football parents. Uh, but Candace was getting into that. So I'm looking forward to that conversation with Mick Dumpke. We're probably going to drop it on Monday. Do you uh, got any updates for us before I head out the door? Yeah, we got some updates here. And yeah, be sure to uh, check out Ben's interview with Mick Dumpke. Yeah, they're talking football and all that, but they'll probably rip Rom a couple times, right, Ben? <laughs> well, I, I'm sure I will. You know, Mick plays it kind of cool. Come on, <laughs> let's... You know, Mick Duncan and I, dear friends, uh, we were writing partners together for many, many years. But, uh, you know, it was like good cop, bad cop thing. I'd be like, man, Rom sucks. And Mick would be like, Ben, in fairness to Rom, da-da-da-da-da. And uh, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised we get together. I'm like, man, Rom sucks. Well, Ben, in fairness to Rom. <laughs> Yeah, be on the lookout for that. And we want to remind people uh, this coming Tuesday, uh, we're not going to have a live show. I got to go downstate, take care of some business. But we are going to be recording an interview, a brand new interview for you to check out at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast on Tuesday. And we'll be right back with the live show on Wednesday. All right. We have an update here. Ben, have you uh, rode one of these cool scooters that are all around the city yet? Have you gotten out to ride one of these scooters? Negatory. Come on, man. Come on, man. Do it. (laughs) I saw Joe Biden doing it the other day. Oh, you're kidding. Uh, Joey B. (laughs) 
I went, for a, uh, I went for a long bike ride today, D. You know that I got up early. I went for a bike ride. Long story, uh, which I will uh, avoid going into the horrible details. But I saw a couple of those scooters whipping around. I still can't stand them. Oh, come on, man. We should get out on, uh, on one of those scooters and ride them. I haven't done it either, but they're everywhere. And the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Fran Spielman. One month into Chicago's second grand experiment with electric scooters, a few things have changed that shows the excitement may be wearing off. The ridership rate is down despite an increase in trips. So far this year, there have been 230,400 trips. That compares to 218,000 trips during the first month of last year's pilot, but that was in a smaller area and with fewer scooters. Only three companies were selected for this round. Uh, Bird, Lime, and Spin. Those are the (laughs) scooter companies. The average number of trips per scooter is 1.42 daily trips for each device, down from 4.76 daily trips during the same period a year ago. Scooter trips this year average 1.87 miles. All right, I think we're about done with the scooter story yeah, here. Yeah. But uh, still, uh, on, you got to get out there and ride a scooter, Benny. Uh, it's not going to happen. Never going to happen. Uh, and uh, I have a feeling, uh, to quote the Beatles, that it just is quietly fade out and the whole scooter thing will you know one thing they have i don't know if you've seen this uh in the uh, last year the scooters they would you could just leave them wherever yeah the scooters would be just lying on so they fixed that up now they're like attached to you know various poles and stuff like that I don't, they uh, there's just something about the scooters that was just so symbolic of uh, what the uh, cluelessness of Chicago? You know, oh, I mean, God, when I think about last summer to this summer, just I mean, I feel a column coming on. D, I feel All a column. Right. Last summer was the summer of the alligator. Remember the alligator? Oh yeah, everybody obsessed with the alligator. The scooters. Everybody was in love with the scooters, and like the scooters are a celebration essentially of. Development downtown, the wealth downtown, uh, people who've moved downtown, middle class, upper middle class people move downtown, and uh, you know, young people living downtown. The sense that Chicago was really thriving and vibrant because the downtown area was really doing well. And now this summer, of course, is the summer of the pandemic. There's so much anxiety. The downtown is largely empty. People aren't going into their offices. So you remember walking down Madison, D, when we would walk from our beloved studio at the Sun-Times building to the Brown Line and mm-hmm. just the throng of people that would be coming across that bridge. And then now it's it's deserted. And there's a sense people, this is anxiety out there. So this summer is so far different than the other. And the scooter thing is like emblematic of last summer. You get what I'm saying? And this summer... <laughs> People aren't riding a scooter, man. So I think a scooter's is sort of that clueless Chicago wind. Things are great because there's an alligator in the lagoon and my life is wonderful. I've seen a whole lot of catfish, some turtles. There we go. Uh, no gators yet, though. <laughs> oh, God, the gator story of 20. I miss it. I want the gator. I want those gator days back, D. <laughs> This pandemic is scary. You and me both. 
Yeah, but uh, yeah, they say the excitement may be wearing off on scooters. I don't know. I just think it's a pandemic and nobody wants to share a bunch of scooters. You know what I mean? That could be it, too. <laughs> that could be. It. Yeah, you raise a good point there. Jay Marie uh, on the live stream chat says someone parked one of those stupid scooters in front of my house. Go ride it, Jay Marie. Come on. Come on, man. Put some gloves on. <laughs> Come on, Go ride man. that. Bad boy. All right. What do you say we scoot on to another story, huh? Oh, whoa. Okay. Uh, ben, do you ever think about writing memoirs? Uh, no, but now you put it in my mind, maybe I should. Maybe you should. Yeah. Maybe you should. For a long time. Maybe you should take some inspiration from our former uh, President Barack Obama. Uh, the first volume of former President Barack Obama's memoir is coming out November 17th, two weeks after Election Day. It's called A Promised Land and will cover his swift and historic rise to the White House and his first term in office. The publication date for the second volume has not yet been determined. Uh, Obama goes on to quote, but you get it. He's got a memoir coming out. Ben, your thoughts here and uh, why after the election? Well, uh, I'm a little concerned about it after the election. I think it would help Joe Biden if it was before the election. Uh, the The press release I got, now this is interesting, it, it has a different day. Uh, this is from, I got an email from Barnes & Noble saying, hey, Ben, just announced Barack Obama. And there's a, a picture of the cover, A Promised Land. Uh, they want me to order my book now. Barack Obama has a story to tell, and what a story it is. A writer of genius. Wow. I don't know about that. Uh, his, I mean, his new post-White House memoir, A Promised Land, is the publishing event of the year. If you haven't already, you must read his earlier inspirationals, blah, 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 dreams of my father, such and so forth. So, um, yeah, it took him a while to get this out. And uh, I don't know, Mike, maybe they're holding it off till after the election because there's something unflattering about Joe Biden in there. I doubt that he would do that. I don't know. It just seemed to me that it would be helpful to Joe Biden to have all the excitement over uh, Barack Obama's book tour before the election. Get Obama out there talking about how much he loves Joe Biden, how much uh, Donald Trump has to try to destroy his legacy. But this, this, I'm going to get in trouble here. This is the Obamas, you know. I, they always going high. They never go low. You know what I'm saying, Dio? <laughs> now, do you think maybe uh, uh, Biden was upset? Maybe, maybe he was going to release it earlier, and Biden uh, was worried that Obama would kind of take the spotlight. I don't know. Maybe Biden would say something in response, like, "Come on, man." <laughs> I don't know. I. Uh, I, I would think that Biden would see this as an opportunity for him. Uh, Barack Obama is still very popular, and uh, when I remember they had remember they had that get together, that virtual get together. It wasn't they were in the same room, but they were like opposite sides of the room. Democrats are always bending over backwards to show they're being responsible in the face of the pandemic. Donald Trump and his supporters, hey, let's have an indoor uh, get together. Five hundred people in this. Sweaty room. No one's wearing a mask. Definitely not Donald Trump. So, but Obama and Biden were being uh, very responsible. So I would think that Joe Biden would do absolutely everything he can to keep that connection to Obama going. Because in so many ways, Obama was the anti-Trump. In so many ways. Just 
the, the thing I liked about Obama, he, there was a certain class and dignity that he lent uh, to the office. I think he sometimes takes it too far with the we go high, they go low thing. Uh, so you know, he doesn't want to get dirty fighting Donald Trump, who's a dirty fighter. Uh, but um, I, I just think it would help Joe Biden. So I think it would be a better idea to have it like be in the midst of it right now. So who knows, Dean? Once again, the first volume of former President Barack Obama's memoir, A Promised Land, will be coming out November 17th. Ben, will you be buying it? No. Why not? I don't buy presidential memoirs. I believe they're revisionary. Uh, I generally, uh, oh God, I'm letting this, the, the, the secret out. The, I'm opening up the bag. Here comes Cat. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just for you, uh, I'll stand in a bookstore and leaf through it. But no, they, they're rewriting history. I don't think they're honest. I've read Clinton's, Hillary Clinton's, Bill Clinton's. Well, Hillary's about the, her run for presidency. Uh, and Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan. I don't even think, uh, uh, wait, did Reagan come out with one? I think I read the book, uh, Boris's book about Reagan. Uh, Richard Nixon, talk about rewriting history. Uh, so I just, you know, they're, uh, it's propaganda. Uh, and, uh, so I don't know. I'm not a big reader of a presidential uh, autobiographies. All right. Well, that is our show uh, for today, everybody. Make sure to follow us on social media at Benny J show, B E N N Y the letter J show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us an email, Benny J show at gmail.com. Leave your name and where you're from. And you can leave us a voicemail 708-658-4788, 708-658-4788. Six five eight four seven eight eight. Leave a voicemail for the Ben Jarofsky show. I want to thank Candace Castillo for doing a great job. I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. And as Barack Obama will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everyone. Mm-hmm.